Hello and welcome back to Watching Worst Films, the weekly podcast where we journey through the winners and the losers from the Golden Raspberry Awards, an annual ceremony dedicated to the very worst from Hollywood and beyond. Travelling back now to 1987 to watch Leonard Part 6. And as always, I'm your host Kyle, joined by the wonderful Jericho Reed. Thank you very much. I'm liking your smooth late night yeah. talk radio <laughs> voice in this one. Well, it's very late. Um... This our latest ever record. This is our latest ever record, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm hitting a wall a little bit in my voice. But um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we're back into 1987 with Leonard Part 6. Again, as always, just a contrast, the winner for the best picture this year was The Last Emperor. What were your thoughts on that? I didn't much care for it. <laughs> it was one of the ones I kind of left till the end, so it was maybe like in the last five, and it was kind of long. I didn't really like it. Well, this year in 1987, we don't have The Simpsons quite yet. True. But we do have The Simpsons because in April of this year, they debuted on the Tracy Ullman show. Wow. Those famous shorts that everyone loves so much these Let's days. Let's all go out for some frosty chocolate milkshakes. <laughs> so yeah, that's where we are in the world just now. And, um, and so we're into Leonard Part 6. Um, uh, yeah, importantly, had the Cosby show premiered in Well, there's two, there's two Cosby shows, isn't there? Or have I just made this up? <laughs> well, my mind. Um, I feel like there's two, but I could be wrong. And da, 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 da. The Bill Cosby Show. and The Cosby Show 84 to 92. And then there's the sitcom show Cosby. No, no, no. Hang on. And then there's The Cosby Show 84 to 92. Yeah. So is there three? Yeah, there's three. There's The Bill Cosby Show. There's The Cosby Show. And then there's Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that's not including The Cosby Mysteries or... Um, uh, Fat Albert and his kids. And Cosby. Little Bill. Yeah. yeah, so there's other things, but I did. I do remember that there were separate ones. The Cosby show really messed with my head as a kid because it was on UK TV. So, so when I think about it, I'm like, Bill Cosby was probably my first exposure to the idea of a black person being on TV. All right. Because um, I, I remember watching it when I was like sick. It was one of those things that was on during the day. Mm-hmm. It was on Channel 4 or whatever. And it really messed with my head because it was like, this is called the Cosby Show, but yet none of these people are called Cosby. Yeah. He's Dr. Huxtable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's the Cosby? When will Cosby arrive? Um, Where is Cosby? Were you exposed to Cosby, no pun intended, or joke intended, before Fresh Prince? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So I think that was my first exposure, like, um, early, well, mid, late 90s. I, I didn't dislike the Cosby Show when I was a kid. No, like, I think, it, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think I've spoken before about how there would be certain things when, like, you were sick in the in the days of terrestrial television when mm-hmm. you had, like, okay, I've got, like, kids' shows during the morning and then when I should be at school, TV programming gets a bit weird and you kind of make do with what there is. And that's how I saw the Cosby show. And I was like, oh, he's an interesting guy. He's kind of funny. I liked his reaction. He's a bit cartoonish. Mm-hmm. He wears bright-coloured, bright sweaters. There's the lovable grandpa image as well, isn't it? Like, or the uncle, dad. Sort yeah, of paternal yeah. figure. Yeah, exactly. He was a charismatic it. guy. So yeah. I did not not like Bill Cosby when I was a kid. That's um, fair. I mean, thinking of how influential he was and how beloved yeah. he was as well, it's, he it's was, sort of surprised how things turned out in the end, isn't it's it? It's because of him that I own a belt. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's because of him, though, we have watched Leonard Part 6. Yeah. Um, from director Paul Wieland who is most known for British TV, Mm -hmm. including Mr. Bean and uh, Blackadder Back and Forth, the Millennium Reunion special, um, which I've seen. Um, Of course you have. Of course (laughs) I've seen it. Um, I haven't seen any of his other films, though, so this is is his debut 
picture. Yeah. Um, which is quite strange to have a British director as well in kind of this project. But Well, it's got a great theatrical pedigree. We yeah. have a British director. We have Sir Tom Courtenay. <laughs> oh, should we start off backgrounds we've kind of touched with our background yeah, with Cosby. Bill Cosby and both of us have no experience of Leonard part six no. you haven't I, I, seen I, the preceding five Leonards I, I confused it with the Eddie Murphy film that I've forgotten the name the Pluto the Nash, yeah. of Pluto Nash I, yeah. for some reason I just merged I could, and Ed Wood and Ed Wood yeah like, <laughs> and I was also like if I was thinking of this film and because I've heard of it before uh, but I have no idea about it I kind of picture the spy heart you know the theatrical poster with leslie nielsen these pants down yeah, the love yeah. heart. that's why I can, I can see cosby with the love heart pants and <laughs> holding a gun like a, a walter ppk or something yeah. not the poster that is eventually released as well like it doesn't yeah. strange and i think then maybe the ones you look at the poster that's why i thought it was pluto nash yeah because it looks like a sci-fi you know he's got yeah. he wears a space jumpsuit through most of the film with a weird helmet and things it does have strange elements to yeah it. leonard part six isn't a great title for a spy movie it's a terrible is it it's a terrible it would be like you'd be like agent leonard part six yeah. maybe at the very least you'd add agent in there or yeah, something yeah. to clue you in a little bit more well i mean um, i think the I... adventures of <laughs> the adventures <laughs> of agent leonard part six i think um i mean that was i, I heard um, that that was one of the reasons it did so bad is because people no had, one knew what yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. and no one had seen part one to five. You know, I yeah. mean, I kind of, I kind of like, like on on paper, I kind of like the idea of alienating massive chunks of the audience with like a dumb joke that only you'll appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Not dissimilar to this podcast, to be honest. <laughs> WWF. I kind of like the idea of just having a dumb name be the thing yeah. that your thing is known for. But yeah, maybe not the best marketing no, move. No, and it's not even you could you can um, kind of let Star Wars off the hook because that's not initially episode four. You know, that's yeah, retroactively that's added. Star Wars. Yeah, that's easy. So like, it's not that was released under episode four or anything. So there's yeah. not going to be. I haven't seen the first five parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we want to cover how did we watch this film? This was another pirated. This was pirated. You um, you, you sourced this one. I, I pirated this um, one. And how much money did this? Right. Make? So on a budget of twenty four million. Do okay. You, do you want to take a little guess on how much this made? Twenty-four million. This made five million. You're really close. Four point six million. Okay. So, um, so we bombed. It's a massive <laughs> bomb. Um, yeah. If it's that fifth return, that's like yeah, <laughs> not good. It's not good, and that's not that, that fifth return would cover maybe Cosby's salary, <laughs> but that's about it probably. Yeah. You know. Um, no wonder Bill Cosby was never to be seen on the silver screen again after <laughs> this film. No. So anyway, that's. It's a, it's a strange little film, and um, you want to kind of walk us through a little bit of it? Okay, yeah. So this starts with, like, uh, um, does it start with narration? Yes. So it starts with narration. There's a lovely English voice. It reminded me a little bit of Jude Law and Lemony Snicket. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, I'm really enjoying this narration. Um, later discovered that was Tom Courtney. So it starts with some narration. I can't really remember what they're speaking about. Yeah, I, if I remember, the narration just tries to set up who Leonard is. He's yeah. a retired spy. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And he's just here he is now and what he's up to. Men want to be him. Women want to get divorced from him. <laughs> it's Leonard. <laughs> so we get we get Sir Tom setting up Leonard, and then we get images of him doing ballet. I say him doing ballet. His stunt double well, yeah, doing ballet. Yeah, I mean, it's... And this is... This is we all laughed when we were watching it because yeah. you're barely a minute into it and you're already showing the stunt double. You, you shouldn't you shouldn't want to use that as a focus in your cold open <laughs> credit sequence, yeah. you know. 
<laughs> um, you're selling this movie of Bill Cosby's name and you've already discovered like <laughs> he's not if his character is doing anything close to any kind of action it's not going to be not him gonna be Cosby. it's likely in the ballet scene not even going to be a black person yeah because Bill Cosby spends sizable chunks of this movie in a weird kind of like speed racer get up yeah it's like a, that's the jumpsuit i mean it reminded me and again I, there's a lot of bond in my head from this movie it mm-hmm. reminded me of the jumpsuits from moonraker okay it's, and it's 10 years after that you know like yeah. I, I don't really i but it's not it's this isn't gonna help anyone get it but it reminds me a little bit of malcolm in the middle when hal does speed walking <laughs> and he has the sort of lycra suit and then he has the weird long sort of like teardrop shaped yeah. hat because it's, um, it's got that um you know bicycle hat yeah he has that long one, yeah. sort of like hat he's not thankfully wearing like a morph suit it's not skin tight mm. but he has got that weirdly long hat and rather than give him like a visor or something which completely obscures his head i guess you want to get the the, the bill cosby real estate but they leave the mm-hmm. lower third like, of his yeah. face exposed so when he's doing ballet you see someone and it looks like the person doing ballet either has like black plastic mm-hmm. for it's like the batman section of the face of nose mm-hmm. down to mouth and it looks like a robocop figure of it's either like black plastic or they're wearing like sort of like like a pair of tights yeah it doesn't look it like lo- it looks, skin you know, it looks like something else it looks like a mask with makeup on it essentially <laughs> like, like even trying to blend it in as close to as we can um but yeah and it's obvious i mean I, my key to this of whether it was Bill or not was looking at his gut, yeah. you know, because it magically disappears and reappears. And <laughs> yeah. later on, there's a scene where he's topless, so you get to see him in all his glory. Yeah. And um, he's doing a Jane Fonda workout. Yeah, one point, yeah. So, yeah. so it, I mean, that just highlights it, it, the fact that it's not him for a lot of these scenes. Yeah. And this opening montage as well is so when we see his tank, which yeah. is a car with a turret on top yeah which i don't know i don't remember it being brought up again i mean it's in the film but like i don't know what it is or why it's there but essentially it sets up that leonard is a retired seven years well wait wait wait. there is one final thing which is the ostrich because that's another we we see him riding an ostrich and again this is like this just clues you in that bill cosby's not going to be doing anything because you see an actor sitting on something which may or may not be like uh, like you you know like a kind of like rodeo ostrich if there's yeah. an actor riding something and that's clearly not bill mm-hmm. and then you just get close-ups of his torso and his face from the pov as if yeah, he's like reaction shots, yeah. um but he's not sitting on the bucking bronco no, is he not? um and the this the special effects for the ostrich were incredible we, they were and we, we all laughed we, yeah we, you know it was like, <laughs> which was which was uh, i must admit it was a really um good sign for me because we were laughing at it already you know but yeah opening, i got i got pleasantly or stupidly naively optimistic about it would it peak too soon you would say i mean yeah um and it's not it's not it's not i mean it's it's, it's strange and it's it's something i haven't seen a lot in movies especially where you're like showing scenes from later on in the movie yeah um it's very strange to me as well like probably just needed to pat the pad out a little bit it, it, it's not a good opening i know it's, it's trying to do the record scratch like you're wondering how i got mm-hmm. here on top of an ostrich aren't you but it shows but, other things as well you know like the ballet yeah. and thing. It, it's like it's like a highlight reel 
yeah um, exactly lure them in quick with yeah. some flashy stuff from the end of the it's, film yeah it's essentially but, the trailer without narration over it you know saying come and see in the summer or something it's exactly it, yeah it's just the highlights and then we go to some people in a swimming pool and a fish being trained yes. and at first i was like is this a prop piranha designed by someone who's never seen a piranha because it's a long fish but it's chomping yeah. and it's it's ready to go it's roaring um, as well <laughs> yeah and then they put it down a pipe and it's swimming towards an unsuspecting couple and this is where both you and your girlfriend thought it was going to be a dirty love touch my bass yeah, yeah. fish i thought it was going straight up you, but you thought it was going up no but yeah, it's sophie I, that thought it was going to bite she thought it his, was going for his genitalia yeah, yeah. I thought and the I, way the angle was in yeah. the POV, I was like, this is going, it might carry on as well, like the camera will stay as we're travelling. And I was like, excuse me, do you two know nothing about moral paragon, man of virtue, Bill Cosby, the 100% clean comedian? There's going to be none of that nonsense in this family-friendly film. If I know anything about Bill Cosby, it's he doesn't like lewd humour, so this is going to be like, uh, sort of, there will be no monkey business below the water. And sure enough, the guy just gets eaten by what is then revealed to be a rainbow trout. Yeah. And so that kind of sets up the engine of the film is animals are killing people. Well, it's because it's an agent. The, yeah. The, it's he, a secret yeah. agent that is eaten by this rainbow trout and he's devoured at whole instantly with his tie or his swimsuit or whatever, like floating off. No blood, of course, because as you said, it's Cosby. Um, <laughs> and that's when we, we find out that this was a secret agent and someone's been training and there's they give a list of like events from animals attacks and stuff yeah none funny um excuse me this might be getting a little bit too soon but like the frog attack later okay i'm keeping okay. that I mean, you're keeping that separate the, just the quick montage yes and, yeah they're okay. just firing through them and talking oh there's um i don't think it's a mole that, that's later the mole that killed the lumberjack but it's these yeah. levels of someone died by a snake you know what i mean it's not yeah, it's yeah. not good and this is where we're introduced to joe don baker as well yeah which set my bond so signals going off what's his name it's, it's snyder schneiderburn schneiderburn yeah okay um so he's playing the m he's essentially M. yeah yeah so yeah you you may know him from golden eye tomorrow never dies but his debut was actually in license Liv- to kill living daylights living daylights yeah. okay where he plays a different character um coincidentally um, the same year as this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a busy boy yeah um yeah he's a villain he's a villain in living daylights becomes jack wade uh ally the like cia yeah. contact uh, the, the felix so, lighter who isn't yeah, felix exactly it. yeah so it's it's also this time as well one of the cabinet it's, it's like a cabinet of m's as <laughs> um, um it's what my my girlfriend pointed out was uh grace zabreski if i pronounce her name right from twin peaks and uh pre-twin peaks role as well well um, this is what david lynch saw her in. this is what he yeah, was at the cinema the watching so. liner part six and he what? was like amazing i need um, bill yeah. too expensive grace, grace, grace she'll do. do yeah so they're they need to get cosby then you get leonard out of retirement so yeah they pull cosby back into service some people try and assassinate him in a kitchen well that's how they bring him back into service yeah they send an agent to go kill him yeah so cosby can kill the agent to return and say what, yeah. what the fuck's well yeah. what the heck's going on what's, you know yeah. <laughs> what's a <the> deal <laughs> that's his john wick of people keep asking me if i'm back yeah i'm thinking i'm back <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I quite, quite enjoyed this kitchen. The kitchen scene is on for far too long because it establishes that Leonard runs a kitchen, a restaurant, a fine dinery yeah. in San Francisco. And um, 
there's a man that's in a table. He says, this trout isn't fresh or whatever. This yeah. fish isn't fresh. Yeah. Uh, Again, the fish motif. It's a lot of fish in the Shining song. through yeah. Dirty Love, yep. Lennon Part 6. I can't escape them, eh? <laughs> and then, there's a, so this is slow, this is boring, I'm not having fun. But when the agent tries to start assassinating Cosby, I got a couple of giggles and laughs out of it. Um, not ironically either. I, I, I loved how the kitchen was just carrying on. Um, yeah, I love the meat fridge full of cans of coke. Yeah, I'm all positioned to show you the label. Yeah, and, and it swings open. Not a single dent in any of them. Loved it. Well, yeah, like I, I think I remained optimistic a little longer than you. So it was in the next scene when my hopes began to fall. But in the kitchen scene, I was still like, oh, this might be like an okay movie. Maybe mm-hmm. the maybe the general reception is wrong. Because the assassin's shooting at Bill and Bill's deflecting the bullets with like pots and pans, and like no, it's a busy kitchen. All the chefs are working, and they just continue to work mm-hmm. as bullets are flying. And that's when you were like, "Ah, I've worked in the kitchen, you know, <laughs> the rush hour. You can't afford to be." Excuse me, I got shot. Can I go home? <laughs> no, <laughs> dinner rush. Get back to work. I'm bleeding in the soup. It's tomato soup. They won't notice. And I, um, I like that though because it, it it felt like a joke. Yeah, it felt like a premise of set up and a, almost a punchline as well. Well, there's the thing where he deflects the bullet with a pan, and it's only one bullet, and yet there's it could be see like five yeah. bullets embedded in the pan. And we couldn't tell if that was like a movie goof thing or if they were just saying like, this is a routine thing at Shay Leonard. Like people try and kill him every day of the week. This is the fifth like assassination (laughs) attempt he's foiled. But you know, like even at this point as well, like I I kind of thought, I think there might have been a fun film in here of him trying to stay in retirement. Yeah. And he keeps sending assassins. He keeps getting into wackier and he's just wanting to live his life and be... Yeah. with his family or you know he wants to be on the Cosby show or something yeah, but yeah. He, everything tries to pull him back in he retrains as a doctor and goes into like this <laughs> relocation program as the uh, Huxtable um, so yeah that's, this brings Leonard into M I'm just going to call him M uh, yeah. I know he's Schneider Byrne but for the sake of me I'm calling him M yeah and he's like what the what's going on why are you trying to assassinate me and we need you back because again animals are being trained and <laughs> Um, and then Leonard's like nah I don't want to I want to stay retired and um, M goes and Leonard does say something as well about how you know he wants to just get back with his wife and run his restaurant and M's like well maybe if you're a special agent she'd come back to you you know (laughs) uh, so if you just stop these fucking animals and steal a globe that's controlling them all um, she'll get back to you and everyone will be (laughs) alright And this is al- this is almost the point where I, I this is where I lost all faith. I think. Yeah. So this is where before before this point, I still thought like, oh, you know what? Maybe this is like kind of okay. But in that scene, that was where I rapidly began to lose faith in the film. Where both M and Cosby, I thought were okay. They just seemed like they were in completely different films. Mm-hmm. And the film that Bill Cosby was in was, I don't know, like a Nicholas Finding Ref in film where his tempo's turned down very low and he's very, like, he's at a simmer when he yeah. really needs to be a lot higher. And, yeah, that just, that sucks. That should be, like, the film should be, like, pushing you towards the front door, but instead it's got his pipe and slippers well, and it just loses all momentum. Well, this is my my next point, is the, the, the following scene from him being recruited back into the Secret Service or whatever... Is him returning home to see his daughter. Yeah. And we begin 
one of the major subplots, I guess. Um, well, the only really one. Well, the wife. <sighs> he's got. To, he's got to stop the animals. Would you say he has the to... wife is a subplot. I think so. Until she comes heavily involved in the end, mm. and the run up to it, because it's the point of not wanting to join. I'd you, say the daughter is evil, a subplot. You've got for sure, evil animals. Mm. I want to get back with the wife. I don't want my daughter dating this sixty-six-year-old man. Yeah, that's her three. Stri- that's is it. That's yeah. all. That's the f- there's nothing else in the film. Like this is it. Yeah. And this is where I, I actually pointed out, this is where it felt like the Cosby show. Well, the, the ass falls out of the film entirely. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, Bill, you're going off to, like, like imagine, if you will, just for a moment that Bond starts to be like, okay, Bond, we're going to be sending you off to Le Chief. He's an accountant for terrorists. But then we're going to have a 20-minute scene where you hang out at your house and yeah. it kills all momentum in the film. Yeah. Your daughter's having some problems, Bond. You've got to listen to them. Yeah. It, it just... Like, it, it, you're right, it's the Cosby show. It's material that he thought was a little bit too blue for the Cosby show of, like, what if my daughter yep. was dating a 60-year-old man? So it's a separate thing. Entirely. just gets shoved yeah. right when this film is threatening to take off. And it is, and because it is, it is presented as a spy film yeah. or in a parody or, like, a sent-up or a satire or whatever the fuck it's wanting to be. Yeah. And we are half an hour in, barely, yeah. And it's crashing with household melodrama that I don't give a fuck about. So yeah, his daughter wants to be an actress. She wants him to come see his play. And she's also marrying the director, who is 66. Also, yeah. he is. Um, <laughs> and he just comes into the house. He's dressed like a pimp. Um, <laughs> he has a sit-down with Cosby. Cosby's like, I don't want you marrying her. And he's like, yeah, yeah, well. she's You're she, robbing the cradle? Some yeah. would say she's robbing the grave. And then Cosby's like, oh, well, okay then, I guess. Um, I've got a mission to go on. <laughs> this is when these butler as well says, this could be a good also opportunity to get with a wife. You know, you could yeah. discuss it with her, which leads them phoning her up and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so um, this is, the, the way this film plays out is basically just like, what if James Bond was divorced? Yeah. Um, which... I don't know, maybe that's where they were going to take the franchise had Daniel Craig continued. He'd have got divorced from Leia Sadu and it would just be custody <laughs> battles. In fact, maybe the next Bond is Lawrence Fox <laughs> and he's dealing with Spectre and family court. <laughs> um, but that's basically what this is. I don't, want, I don't want to give any attention to the subplot either. No, it doesn't, it, it doesn't deserve it any It doesn't time. deserve anything. It's gonna, um, you don't deserve to listen to this. They just, they just say like he's divorced from his wife because he cheated on her with a 19-year-old. They were whipping each other with birch leaves and a sauna or something. Which led to my favourite line of the movie. Yeah. I, I did not lay a finger on that girl. <laughs> Quote Bill Crosby, you know. Um... Bill Cosby, Leonard, part 6, 1987. <laughs> Bill Cosby, Court of New York, 2017. <laughs> yeah, so um, the fact that this is a convicted rapist that we're watching for 90 minutes definitely adds an uncomfortable moral element yeah. to what is not an entertaining film um but anyway so he has his kind of like montage whipped into shape sequence which is the least energetic montage in cinematic history like if it it, it it would have been quicker just to show all the things in their entirety because it just drags so so much i mean but, it, it's not even a it, I don't think you can call it a montage when it goes that long. Like, uh, <laughs> montage is to speed up, isn't it? Yeah. And to move things, not slow things down, not picking a tie or not being able to stretch and do your fucking jazzercise. But to be honest, this is probably like this 
I was going to say five minute. I feel like this 15 minute montage is probably what provides the entirety of the film's $25 million budget because there is so much product placement here. It's maybe a little bit before when his daughter, when he's like, like freaking out his daughter dating like a 60 year old man she's like here let me get you a coke yeah and he very carefully holds the coke it's, it's, so it's, that the label is the camera for their entire conversation it takes up at least a third of the frame yeah this giant coke bottle placed right between you know your two characters <laughs> it's yeah. even like it cuts to like like an umpire like yeah it even cuts to like a reverse or like an over the shoulder shot where he's kind of like mm. his arm around her and it's almost like he rotates the label so it's Snapping now his facing, wrist, you know? yeah. <laughs> like the exorcist <laughs> um and uh, then we get like maybe so uh my my first laugh was the frog scene which we'll frog, have to go back to yeah but i i, I also laughed at uh, his shower scene where he goes to his shower and you see these nozzles evian uh montpellier perrier yeah. and he turns the nozzle and has like a Perrier fountain. <laughs> he has a Perrier them, yeah. shower, yeah. So with this nozzle yeah, just spraying, right. yeah. <laughs> um, which was which is a funny joke as well, like because and and it never, it, it never sets up how rich Cosby is in this film. No, because he's got a man. His wife has a mansion. They both yeah. have like the finest houses in San Francisco. Um, he can afford this: a butler, a tank car. Um, I think he has like a Rolls Royce as well. That gets. if they'd they'd set this up more of like he is an obscenely wealthy man or like he is this sort of like diva where he's like oh no no i can't tell that's like that's sparkling water i was showering with or that's that's like that's like supermarket's own brand bottle Mm -hmm. water Mm -hmm. if they had set up stuff like that where they're like oh this man is a sort of hyper capitalist or he is just whatever they could have done stuff with it as a background gag i didn't dislike it but it's no meaningful character no, insight. There's nothing. There's nothing. It's just yeah. completely isolated. That's his one thing is he showers in bottled water. Yeah. Um, um, but it's not part of a larger yeah, yeah. thing of who he is. It, um, this leads us closer to, yeah. So we, we open on a, a tuna industrial, I think it's what the villain's headquarters yeah, is disguised yeah. as. And I like this. I like the location. It's, yeah. It was nice to have a little bit of set and, you know, something going on. Well, who was it that identified it as Burtony? Was it Sophie that said it looked mm-hmm. a bit Batman Returns-y? Yeah. Well, I, the, I, the lighting I thought it, it, especially towards the end, it got really Batman Returns. Yeah. Like, the, the production the, the design was good. Yeah. And, stuff. Yeah. Um, and just even with a henchman kind of... The big vats yeah, of goo. The big vats of goo. Henchmen yeah. that were all burly and like dressed like sailors and stuff. You know, it gave it that kind of... They could be clowns. They could be running around Gotham. Well, let's deal with the henchmen because this film, unfortunately, is not very woke. And so I fear that Mr. William Cosby may get cancelled because of this film. (laughs) Because all of the all of the henchmen are physically disabled in some way. Yeah. Which they got one. No, no, no. Hang on. He wasn't even this. He was. He wasn't one of the henchmen. The, The the one of the would be assassins. It's just the guy who has his tongue out the whole time. Yeah. But he's not affiliated with, like, Peter Spector. No. Whereas Peter Spector, there's a guy with... Oh, no, no, and hang on. The guy with the droopy eyelids is also from the Council yeah, of Yeah, he's in the Council, yeah. yeah. I, so, think, I think it's just a guy that has droopy eyes. I don't know why you, you and Sophie both caught on it. And he I, has really droopy eyes, I, yeah, listener. Like, he looks like droopy dog. <laughs> like, his eyelids are just... But they don't focus on it. They don't make a mention of it. It's just But they <laughs> linger on it, and then the scene cuts to the next one. It is made a point of. And so I, them all. I was like, why are 
physical disability is being given such attention in this film because if and it, presented as other and sort of like yeah because that's a it's a bonding trait to me yeah like yeah. you got your doctor no without hands everyone's missing something yeah. everyone's physically deformed crying tears yeah. crying blood you've got scaramanga with a third nipple you know you've got <laughs> blofeld with missing faces like there's so many um You've got Matthew Almerick looking weird. Yeah, got, you know, it could go on forever. That's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's the point of it, and uh, I, but this doesn't do that. The point of it is, if you are in any way different, you are evil. <laughs> but um, he was a good guy. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I was just a little bit. Confused. So the Council of M guy is he's good, but the, there's the assassin who just has his tongue out all the time, yeah. and then with the the Peter Specter. There's the guy in the wheelchair. My favorite. I, I actually was just trying to look him up because I I, I don't know his name. <laughs> What's uh, this man? I think I think he had a name, right? So like yeah. Specter, um, Leonard Specter is. I rem- I remember Medusa is the head. That's the Blofeld. Yeah. That is um, Gloria Imagine Foster. If it was Hydra. Oh my. <laughs> um, that's the actress Gloria Foster. Gorgon. And she is probably the highlight of the film. She's full of energy. She's campy. She's having yeah. fun, like reveling and being a villain. Like it's got that kind of roger moore villain kind of vibe to it that i liked and she has a henchman who looks like dracula yeah was one of them and i don't know what this other specter man was but it was a guy in a wheelchair whose only advice is just kill him yeah um there's like an invader a spy this is how we get onto your frog scene there's a agent or someone listening into their secret base yeah and they find out that you know like mm-hmm. and he's just like kill him you know <laughs> why hang about yeah and they kill him in possibly the greatest scene i've ever seen um you want to walk us through this? yeah um so a frog's like one frog hops under his his car and i'm already like i'm starting to laugh like i, I like frogs a lot and i'm already speculating about like is this gonna be a fighting frog like is this gonna punch him to death how is this frog gonna kill him and then like more frogs like appear and i was like is this gonna be like jurassic park are they just gonna be like poisonous frogs are they gonna jump in his mouth what are they gonna do but no an army of frogs like assembles underneath his car and then they lift up his well, car. You're missing some of the best parts. So they come one by one. Yeah. Um, they also pause their ribbits yeah. when he's listening. You know, and uh, there's a great shot as well where one one frog looks to another frog as if to say, like, shh, you know, <laughs> keep it on the down low. And, um, and when it's time, they go, they make their ribbits and the spy listening in starts transcribing it, you know, thinking yeah. he's caught on to something. And on the third ribbit, I think it is, is when all the frogs decide to lift the car. In unison, the frogs lift up his car, car to the edge of the bridge and then just throw him <laughs> which is again more dodgy like more dodgy special effects work given that like you see the frogs lift it up and then the car changes to a toy car and there are no frogs carrying it and it just goes and then car explodes but yeah no i am um, I, I i love that scene all it needed was them singing uh wise up by amy man to <laughs> make it a magnolia reference but yeah no frog scene was was so good maybe honestly that might be one of my favorite scenes in all of the razzie watches it, we've done so it was far a huge laugh um it went out <laughs> all, all of us laughed at it um yeah. which which i didn't expect i didn't expect such big laughs um yeah because it's absurd it's like quite a surreal weird thing but more of that like it's possibly one of the downfalls because after this it doesn't really happen we don't get to see animals kill in like fun ways you know um, I, I, yeah i would have liked to see you know, like an ostrich trying to like 
sneak through a building to assassinate someone or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, want, I, want, I want all this like synchronized bats and things. Like, yeah, yeah. Give me, give me some fun. Lean into it, basically. Like, stop going back to seeing your daughter get naked in a play and stop getting soup thrown over you by your wife and stuff. All this absolute shit that just kind of slows everything down and takes it. I mean, it's 85 minutes long, so you can't really take anything out. Or, you know, this is this is nothing. Yeah. But, I, you know, the Spectre plays, they're all vegetarians as well. This is her grand scheme, is she's a vegetarian, all her henchmen are, and it's like revenge against the world that animals are going to attack back, you know, and yeah. get people to stop eating meat. This is, this is one of my favourite movie tropes, is the villain who kind of has good motivations with who you'd agree with and then the movie has to be like and yeah and they're gonna kill everyone <laughs> so of course we have like like black panther with killmonger being like you know what like imperialism maybe isn't a great thing and africa has been plundered of resources for uh, mm. centuries and then I'm going to kill everyone. <laughs> um, or, like, they, they do it in Bond films, don't they, all the time? Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service is the one that comes to mind with me, where Blofeld's fake plan of curing rea- allergic reactions by getting people to eat certain things. And yeah. You, I was like, that's a great fucking idea. Yeah. You know? And you've got a resort. And okay, yeah, there's a plan to poison everyone around the world. But, like, I don't know. I don't think that was such a bad plan. Um, Basically, whenever anyone in a movie cares about the environment, they're like you've got like five minutes before oh, they yeah. become a villain that solution is i'm gonna end climate change by yeah. murdering everyone because you know what we don't need to care about climate catastrophe <laughs> no. it's fine james <laughs> bond's gonna kill the villain and everything will be solved but this is also a sign of the times i was what i said while yeah. watching it uh, vegetarianism was much more dunked on in yeah pre-millennium times it, w- yeah. it was a joke you would be ridiculed for it you weren't yeah. as masculine as bill cosby with his beer belly doesn't matter if you were ripped like six foot five bodybuilder <laughs> you were scared of bill and his big meaty mm-hmm. sausage um <laughs> so that's the other thing is sorry, again off topic i'm sorry leonard i'll get back on <laughs> i was just thinking like vegetarianism is a topic is such a rarity now in a vegan world you know like i mm-hmm. I, I i never hear vegetarianism as much as i do hear veganism and in the reboot of Leonard, we might have to update those terms. Um, <laughs> because, um, you know, Medusa can have butter, and I don't think she would in this modern world. No, <laughs> no, she'd have to go a little bit further. <laughs> okay, so I'm um, just looking at my notes and the things I have to cross off here. There is a scene in which Leonard does surgery on himself. Oh, yeah. I laughed at that scene a little bit because it's set up. He's in his Perrier shower, and Tom, Tom Courtney, his Alfred... He's like, scalpel, yeah, here you go, this. And you think, like, it's set up that Alfred's going to be doing surgery because he's been shot in some mm-hmm. sort of encounter. And uh, Bill Cosby is, in fact, dressed like a doctor and he's performing surgery on himself. So that was, like, a mildly funny scene. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea of, like, a doctor operating on himself was just kind of, like, yeah, it's quite, it's quite a smile. Yeah, no, I, I, it goes on too long. It does. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a throwaway ten second gag that yeah. you have Wesley Nielsen deliver, yes. and then boom, boom, you're out of there. Yeah. But in this, it's and like you can 10 see, I can scene. see, I can see, let you know, he's stitching yeah. himself up, you know, and he'll, and that'll be, and you'll probably, you and know. he'd be like, I don't deal too well with surgery. <laughs> <Yeah. I'm a laughs> <little bit>. <laughs> <laughs> he maybe anesthetizes himself and then starts doing it while falling asleep. Um, um, but this scene's shit at the end because it seeks into his daughter 
yeah. with the reviews. She's like, Daddy, play. my play has been reviewed so well. And it kind of just crashes back. Like anytime there's yeah. any momentum, any humor, anything that you're like, okay, like there's something, there's some sort of seed of humor. It just crashes it back down to earth. I, I believe that is Cosby as well that's doing this. But anyway. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know anything about Cosby the comedian or Cosby the show. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. But off the basis of this, like I know people were like, he was like a revolutionary stand-up. But off the basis of this, you're like, this man has very little idea of what is funny. Yeah. This man does not have a funny bone in his body. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, so when you hear that, like revolutionary stand-up, Okay, I can I can pull out my beloved uh, Casino Royale, nineteen sixty seven, mm. terrible fucking film. Yeah, but Woody Allen is funny. Right? <laughs> he, he's, he's genuine. Yeah. If you cut his scenes out, they are laugh out loud funny. Yeah. he delivers them well. You can tell he's obviously either wrote them or had involvement in them as well. Yeah. And you could tell that this is someone who could go on a stage and be funny. Yeah, you would not get this from Leonard Parson. <laughs> <laughs> am i saying casino royal 67 is better yes uh, <laughs> oh by far <laughs> by my heart um, but yeah like you can't tell this and i think this is where he, this is all because it's his story this this is why we think it's outtakes and stuff from his sitcom because he must have pushed this stuff in he seems so disinterested in the spy stuff he is so he's bored like, looking in it he's tired he sweats he doesn't if he's not talking to his wife or his daughter or he, a gypsy he doesn't know <laughs> yeah i'd forgotten about the albanian woman who is in it but just kind of well that's why i've forgotten is because she is irrelevant she's just one scene sitting in a caravan she's sitting in a caravan a man's outside playing bongos her kids are upstairs <laughs> in the caravan she speaks uh, i i call it the latka andy kaufman from taxi talk yeah. you know this fictional blah 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 and she gives him the uh, the deus ex machina of the film which is uh um pair of slippers yeah and a little box with something in it a bee a bee that's it it's a bee a bee a, a, a bee's in it oh, i'm a bee and he doesn't understand this but he knows he does this every mission that he goes to see her and she predicts his future and helps yeah. him out um i don't i don't, I don't know we came so close to forgetting I, this entire absolutely. scene which is key to everything and the only the reason i i had to go back as we get to the finale basically the pet um specter kidnap cosby's wife yeah which finally gets cosby to get into action and get <laughs> yeah. there and do something about it and this is like our finale this is our big like set piece this is our bonding and yeah villains you're going to their headquarters you're going into the volcano you're going to tuna international and you're gonna fight your way out of it while reclaiming your woman yes he gets caught he gets tied (laughs) up with um his wife yeah and um the medusa the head lady's plan is just you know kill him but she doesn't well no 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 no, it's not it's not her plan she's like she's like send them off like to this cell and the wheelchair man is yeah kill him (laughs) just kill him yeah and the film can be over yeah thank you wheelchair man because god this could have been two hours long (laughs) if if he was the main villain this would have been a great film this is where it's kind of like futurama with the zookeeper and they have citizen snips the Mm -hmm. army of lobsters Mm -hmm. which are gonna work when i said army of frogs because that's the collective now i don't know what the one is for lobsters they had the bunch of lobsters who are going to execute bill cosby and so the lobsters are a way to... A pod of lobsters. A pod of lobsters. There you go, <laughs> listeners. If you take nothing else away from this podcast, pod of lobsters are about to have their wicked way with Bill Cosby, which maybe that's what's happening to him right now in oh, prison. He's um, free. He's innocent. Oh, yeah, I forgot. He he's, got released. He got, he got overturned. Yeah. He's an innocent man, Bill Cosby. And we've been slandering you for 
an hour. <laughs> Please do not sue. See you in court, Mr. Cosby. <laughs> so uh, the um, the lobsters are about to kill him. And then, surprise, surprise, fairy godmother's uh, slippers, magic butter appears. Well, yeah. he, a lobster accidentally snips him free. And yeah. then he uses that lobster as like a pair of scissors to yeah. cut the other chains. And then he magic slippers butter into existence and uses that to threaten the lobsters yeah. with yeah making them into lobster thermidor with um, chef's butter and nothing else <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's a talented chef and then he escapes frees his wife and they run through and basically that is the end of the film and so i i don't have anything else to add except he kills henchmen by throwing burger meat on them yeah that's the he... scene where macho bill jordan peterson pilled bill <laughs> is like hey you're gonna eat a good steak in tiny yeah. room how'd you like this here's some steak on your f-. and they're like please no mr bill don't do it and so he slaps these like ripped bodybuilders with steak being like, you're not getting enough protein god which, damn it which came um, which in the scene is the only surprise for me really at this point is yeah. he feeds the dracula henchman the sausage yeah because he's like i'm not scared yeah, you're yeah. worst bill i'm not you're not gonna scare me off by slapping me in the face and with a steak we get a scanner's head explosion not not well, graphic. this is where bill pulls out his sausage and it's like <laughs> take a big bite of this and dracula henchman bites into the sausage and immediately his head explodes yeah. um it's so. weird and it's so and he, he continues on as well like it's yeah. very weird little i don't i don't know what that's meant to be but i didn't expect it so it didn't get a laugh but it got a, a, a reaction got a what the fuck uh, was that and then i remember my favorite character mr wheelchair kill him gets thrown he gets jokered yeah he gets thrown into the the goop so this is this is really the only two notes i have is there there um there's blue milk so yeah. i was like this is the star wars factory where it gets made but then there are these big fats of joker fluid which we were so ground down by this film. This is where you said one, maybe one of the saddest things I've heard a person say. Because you're like, oh, this is all right, though. And me and your girlfriend dove into that with like, what are you saying is all right, Kyle? This close up of a, a big vat of a primary color. It was a nice, <laughs> um, nice blue. Like, yeah, it's nice blues. Nice. Look at that. There's nice colors, isn't there? Just a close up on a vat of paint. That's nice. I think it's, um, I, and I stand by, I think we've just been watching such. Rob miserable films. Yeah. The 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 color blue lit me up. You know? Exactly. A little bit of color, a little bit of vibrance, a little bit of sesame street. Um, exactly what we need. And then um, he rides an ostrich, escapes at the end. I'm yeah, not, I'm that's not, it. That's the end. Anymore. That's it. Done. Done. So Leonard Part Six. How do you fix it? In the simplest steps. Honestly, you've kind of already um you've kind of already given it away. I had this up my sleeve. You just have more animals. Yeah. You have more animal death scenes, more stuff like the frog. You, you cut out the daughter. We'll let him keep the divorced wife just because he needs something. Removing her would leave a gaping chasm in the heart of the movie. But you lose the daughter dating the six-year-old mm-hmm. man. You lose the, dop- the, the Doppler. You, use the, you lose the... Come on, man. You lose the daughter getting topless in the play. And uh, you just fill that with some funny animal hijinks. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot changes uh, that's not that's just add more animals more uh, animals doing stuff i want an armadillo killing someone uh, i agree like, like, i mean yeah if, if i go with those two if i can't get my he's not coming out of retirement and they're chasing him down film give me just go nuts go animals yeah. uh the specter hench 
the the spy plot of it if you just make that into a film yeah and forget all the family drama because more animals will also give you more medusa who she is like the foot on the gas pedal of this movie of bill cosby is a lethargic slow sort of like laid back like he just saps all momentum out of the film but whenever medusa's there it's like go 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 come on things are happening so I, i was i was thinking about this and it's a point you brought up while we were watching it i think the simplest thing is to try and pull it more yeah so we've used more spectre stuff but try and pull more into it being a spy film mm. this is a spy parody film without any gadgets no it has magic yeah. slippers and a bee <laughs> <laughs> but you know like give him wacky gadgets and stuff give him the a bee at one point freeze another bee the bee does get used listeners in case you're wondering <laughs> it's not pivotal but the bee does serve a purpose it the does. bee gets its moment in the sun but it, the bee could be a magic watch you know that yeah has a you can a have branch you, bee. Can, you can have a and there could be a lot of fun with gadgets and jetpacks and funny yeah. things and a mechanical ostrich or something you have yeah, to yeah, blend yeah. in with the other ones. They could have really went into that. Yeah. They don't they don't even touch it. This is um, so lazy and half-assed. This, this is film. this it's is unbelievable. It's, this is and yeah, and yeah, at the end, um my girlfriend asked, Where did it fall in so far? And we were yeah. like, Oh, in the middle, in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, that, that concludes our discussion um, on the film, unless you have anything else to add. Well, I do just have the one more thing to say. Before I realised that he was out enjoying the high life, I was like, um, I wonder who owns the IP for Leonard Part 6, because I was like, you could relaunch, like, in the in our IP-heavy era, you could get Hannibal Buress for mm-hmm. Leonard Part 7, or you could do Leonard Origins, Leonard's Part 1-5 to five with Jaden Smith as mm-hmm. Leonard. We see him meet his wife, we see him get married, we see how things were good. I do think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of mileage left in the Leonard franchise. So <laughs> I mean I I I I Because we were just talking about Fletch with Chevy Chase and John yeah. Hamm. I think he reboot this with another Leonard and you've got a money spinner on your hands, baby. And I agree with that. I, on the Fletch line though, I would have loved a, a Fletch lives version of this. Yeah, I, I wish this did well in a way, so I could have seen a follow up to it. But no, I'm glad it didn't. Okay, right. Here's what we're gonna do. So if he's tackling vegetarianism in this, we make the anti woke Leonard franchise. Oh, yeah. We get Ben Shapiro on board, and we're like, okay, Leonard is taking on people who want to have pronouns, and so by the end of the movie, Leonard's gonna remove pronouns from the English language. Mm. We will only have proper nouns. And you, every Leonard film is just like him tackling another conservative boogeyman. And we make it as just as shit as Leonard Part 6. But because conservatives feel appeased, Lawrence Fox can be blowfilled. Oh, we know. just get all these fucking ghouls who've won Razzies and we're like, hey, you know what? Like, you know how you love making movies where like black people espouse your hateful ideology? Well, we have the franchise for you. It's Leonard. Um, so that's how I fix the Ledger franchise. No. Um, I mean, well, we get rich off the conservative dollar and end up giving it all to charity and killing ourselves because we can't live with what we're bringing into the world. But the Razzie-worthiness of this film. Yes. What, what's your opinion on it? I'm not sure. For most of it, I was kind of thinking that it's not car crash bad enough like the fact that we said to sophie this is mid yeah i want every razzie winner to be the worst one and the fact that this wasn't even in contention almost makes me feel like it's not deserved it's not but so the only thing i'm scrabbling for is the fact that as we said 
this builds itself as a spy parody and it feels so horrendously at being a parody or a spy film that in that regard it's a catastrophic failure so i would say it's kind of razzy worthy absolutely if if it wasn't as we'll go through in part two up against such strong competition in my head um i think there's at least three winners yeah much worse than this i don't think it should escape completely i think cosby deserves awards there's there's a lot to pick up on it but yeah it kind of falls into that mid-tier it's not never watch it and listeners don't ever watch it don't think about it if the frog scene is on youtube i would recommend watching the frog scene in isolation and if cosby's not yeah if we find it we can link it on our socials true yeah um because what's he gonna do (laughs) (laughs) famous last words podcast student oblivion because you know he was really litigious because he got house of cosby shut down yeah but understandably, his lawyer has had more on He's his plate in recent years. Uh, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, this is worst picture, um, worst actor for Bill Cosby. I agree that that um... he is horrendous. He's uh, at first I thought like he's okay, he's kind of believable, he's kind of like he has some mild comedic chops, but it's just that it is watching Cliff Huxtable in a spy yeah. movie. Like imagine Roger Moore towards the end when he's kind of lethargic and a bit struggling with stairs and then remove 90% of that energy. Yeah, I agree, yeah. And it also won for Worst Screenplay by Jonathan Reynolds and the story, of course, done by Bill Cosby. Um, I can't argue with that. I don't. I can't imagine what the screenplay would look like for this. I feel like this is ideas that Bill's... The story was just a notepad with, wouldn't it be funny if my daughter got topless and married a 66-year-old man? Well, I want, I want to... In, in my head, Bill Cosby was like, car gets thrown off bridge by frogs, and then he just slid that to a screen, right? I'm oh. like, there you go, write a movie around this. Which is, which is good. I, I mean, I, I, liked, I liked the thought, though, that Bill said in an exterior night, you know, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a quiet, atmospheric night. We can hear the sounds of frogs approaching, you know. <laughs> you know, I want him to go into detail. I want him to build this up. Um, I can't imagine this was long. Though. It's just the finest prose, like the frogs hopped on in the first galating dusk light. Vamanos, amigos. Um, uh, yeah, so like, uh, and similarly to our last episode with Saving Christmas, this was a very short film. Um, mercifully short. And I, I'm happy. I love, I love 85 minutes, Bill. You're, you're all out by me. So I can't imagine, I didn't imagine there was much here in a screenplay other than a basic story outline yeah. and filled in blanks to help actors read lines but i i cosby did most of the jokes here this is his film you know he he's sorry i i'm convinced when we were watching it that he shadow directed it well yeah that's the only other nomination for it that we haven't mentioned isn't it is it won for cosby won for screenplay but it was nominated for director, nominated for director yeah oh no hang on oh sorry worst support actress as well Medusa, I am not having that. Nah, Medusa's the best part of the film. Yeah, Gloria Foster nominated for Medusa. She, um, you could put, you uh, could you could put in the darb if you were wanting to be harsh, but they're she, not. They're no no one in here is particularly like awful. No, Medusa, I'm gonna put there. Medusa is up there with Hayden Christensen and Arnie on like a Razzie noms. I will fight Mister Razzie no, to I will, death yeah, over. No. Medusa is carrying this film Absolutely. on her back. Um, absolutely like of all the things to nominate she is the last thing so she's nominated and then uh paul wayland is yes. also nominated for director who at the time of watching it you were like it must be because this is a terribly directed film well that was my first thing my first observation before i even realized how bad bill cosby was was i was like 
everyone in this is in a different film. I, I, there's no way. And if you're listening, director, um, <laughs> did you direct Bill Cosby in this movie, or did Bill Cosby just did do, he direct? Did you? he take? Yeah. Did he? Just, did you just sit there and say action? You know, like yeah. you might have directed the other characters. You might have directed Medusa. Then you don't deserve to be here. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm gonna still. I'm blaming Cosby. That's the thing to do, you know? <laughs> and that, that concludes all our nominations. We're going to return to our section listener correspondence, but join us in the final part of the show when we'll be discussing all the other nominees and winners for right. 1987. So we have a return to our favourite section, listener correspondence, with an actual read-out email to um, bring to you. So you'll remember in our Dirty Love episode, we spoke about Bewitched, as an adaptation of a um, like 50s sitcom TV show. And we put out the call, what is the patient zero? What's the origin for this? Because um, we thought there must have been something that's successful that sparked it. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a lovely email here, which I will just read out. So this spreadsheet kind of got away from me. I'm not even sure it answers the original question. But it seems like the cluster of old series being turned into movies in 2005 was just a steady progression of a trend that has been ongoing since the 90s and goes beyond 2005 to Get Smart, 2008, Man From Uncle, 2015, etc. However, please feel free to draw your own conclusions. Thank you for giving me something to look forward to on Tuesdays. And this is from friend of the show, Kelly, who is amazing and has made this incredible document, which... I don't know, we will put we'll put on social media yeah, with I, again this just kinda reiterates what we've been saying before. The people related to the show, the people who produce things that aren't actually the show are far superior to me and Kyle, whether that's Buster and the theme tune, whether mm-hmm. that's Kelly and the spreadsheet. It's just amazing what people have done and it's far far superior to our (laughs) shoddily produced show where you can't hear us or we're really loud or there's dogs barking and things falling and (laughs) microphones disabled or 30 seconds of silence anyway so um kelly's made this amazing spreadsheet which is color-coded and she's also given us a key which shows all the films which are razzie nominated and razzie winners and it reveals that the um 50s to 70s series adaptation 24 years later that does seem to be something that mr razzie dislikes because there are a lot of nominees and winners here Mm -hmm. so the first one kelly has is adam's family which that was actually what you mentioned as the possible origin for it that's the razzie winner just going through we have your beverly hillbillies yeah um (laughs) adam's family values of course won the razzie for adam's family whoop uh, we have Car 54, Where Are You, Razzie Winner. And then we have like a bunch of them, Lost in Space, Mod Squad. The Brady Bunch movie was quite a thing as well. I, I do remember that at yeah. the time. But like up until, and I see this is where I was wrong because I thought the Flintstones killed it all. But no, I didn't. I was wrong there. But yeah, no, it's a very interesting spreadsheet. And it's, it doesn't seem to have the Patient Zero. I, I thought the Patient Zero was later. I thought there was a gap, you know, like an early 90s adaptations and then a Flintstones or something that stops that trend and then it starts up again with like a Charlie's Angels or something. Yeah, despite Kelly's amazing comprehensive research, the mystery remains out there in that Adam's Family wasn't the massive hit that sort of sparked it all. 
but also there's nothing that kind of categorically killed it. Like there was no Ishtar, there was no Bill no. Cosby, there was no Leonard Part Six that ends it. To the extent that Kelly said, it's 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 still ongoing today with oh, yeah. Man from Uncle and stuff. It's almost moved to streaming because if you look at it, then there's lots of things like Lost in Space, which yeah, and we're you know like the thing is we're into the time period now where TV shows from that forty year gap we're getting those we're getting Miami Vice reboots from the eighties you know we're getting (laughs) now we're getting everything that time frame's moved forward but we're still getting you know the Monsters movie came out this year with Rob Zombies yeah Um, so they they're still Adam's Family Adam's Family will never die Wednesday yeah Wednesday is the top streaming thing on available you know Tim Burton it all links back to him doesn't it. So yeah, I, I, but I also just think you know it's cheap IPs. Yeah, you know, I, I stuff like the Riverdale and the Archie worlds and stuff got so popular because yeah, they're cheap. Yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to make up characters. It's like, nostalgia, baby. Even if you, even if you never knew it, <laughs> which is exactly why I'm like Leonard is languishing in IP purgatory yeah. when it needs to be brought back into the spotlight. It can't be that expensive to get the rights to Leonard. We can get the rights to Leonard. Yes. So. so yeah, um, we'll put this up, and if you have any thoughts on uh, the spreadsheet, if you want to discuss anything about it, any opinions, send us an email at watchingworsefilms at gmail.com. Or indeed, if you have a spreadsheet that you want to show us, then that is the place to get in touch. Before we move on, Thunderbirds. No, have yeah. you seen Thunderbirds? Um, no, I haven't. Live action No, I have not seen the live action That is a very, very weird oddity. <laughs> um, it, was, it was 2004. It was a dirty love year. Yeah, I was... Um, yeah, I guess we're... Oh no, 2005. When was Dirty Love? I thought Dirty Love was 2005. I thought it was 2004, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, is 04. Okay. Well, we'll cut this. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, both of them are 04. Yeah, I, th- I think Starsky and Hutch would have been the last one that I'd seen before, like the, or the Dukes of Hazzard, rather. That's 05. And then that's probably... No, because then there's like Get Smart and all that. I've seen them as well. Like Yeah um there's a lone ranger popping True, up again yeah. you know there's man from uncle like you said mission impossible's never stop mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I guess this is just what we're gonna get for the rest of our lives okay and while we're in this section <laughs> of um previous episodes i have something for you here which is um the mystery of mike bigelow excellent so we have a little bit more information on this was the dirty love episode we spoke about the the director of Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo, was a man called Mike Bigelow, who <laughs> I posited did not actually exist. And we have now found there is an interview with Mike Bigelow at the East Bay Times. All right. And so we, we know if he doesn't exist, the East Bay Times is at least in on the gag and yeah. they're fabricating this interview. He he reveals here a little bit of what we knew. So he was a commercial director. This was his first and last feature film. And he actually reveals that he says that studios hunt for commercial directors because they can get them relatively cheap for DGA scale. And he's a friend of Spike Jones, okay. who he gives as the example of um, people who have shot to success oh no he's not a friend of spike jones last yeah, no you know who the friend i just read that I was, the friend of him is jesse dylan son of bob dylan yeah brother of jacob dylan your favorite director of kicking and screaming and my favorite my favorite dylan um yeah so um in this interview mike bigelow just sort of speaks about like the the, the skill set of commercial directing being a good sort of training ground 
Yeah, and in that interview, that's where he says that when they called him in, he originally thought it was a mistake because of his name. Mm -hmm. So he is aware of the absurdity of him, of the nominative determinism here. Oh, absolutely. Um, So that's that mystery kind of solved. Absolutely, and it kind of... uh, The only one thing I'm picking off from this article is I think his dad's name, uh, Richard Bigelow, is a great name. Um, (laughs) Dick Bigelow is... (laughs) <laughs> the sequel that juice wants to be so yeah we've kind of we've kind of closed that chapter on he certainly seems to be a man who exists and it was just uh just a freak just yep. a coincidence so unless Mr. of course yeah no if, of course if it is if this is a big conspiracy theory then of course but if you are listening mr bigelow and uh, mike bigelow not juice um, <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you're not invited. please get in touch mike and please come on and we can We'll do a special with you. We'll watch your film with you. Just for you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the final part of Watching Worst Films, where we'll be covering the other awards and nominees for 1987. So, the other nominees for Worst Picture, we had... Telling the truth can be dangerous business. <laughs> Honest and popular don't go hand in hand. Ishtar. Ish- Have you seen Ishtar? I've not seen Ishtar. You haven't seen Ishtar. I, it's, it's, one of, it's my white whale, I guess, yeah. of like bad movies. I, I know. I, I, I think um, the time in my life where I was going to watch Ishtar is when I would have watched Heaven's Gate and probably Waterworld as well. You know, the big. Yeah. And I just couldn't. I just. I, I couldn't. Have you? I've seen Ishtar. I think. I I don't think you would like Ishtar. There is a part of like the musician angle, like the entertainer mm. angle. I can see you right liking that aspect of Ishtar. I don't know if you'd like it overall. I really like Ishtar, and I'm kind of furious at uh, it being here. Ishtar is another film that I feel like gets a very bad reputation, and you can sort of see the legacy of things that has influenced. I love Elaine May, and it's absolutely tragic that this film killed her career when I think there's some really good stuff in Ishtar and there's like the bad stuff is maybe how it doesn't fully all mm-hmm. come together but I really like Ishtar so I'm disappointed to see that here oh, that's, that's fair that's fair and then Jaws the Revenge so I haven't seen Ishtar but I have seen Jaws the Revenge <laughs> um, Jaws the Revenge is awful I mean it's at this point it's notorious for it um, it's not unwatchable yeah. it's not as enjoyable as part three which I think for campy fun silly reasons i really like jaws revenge is a worse film than leonard <laughs> out of these picks as well like these um, nominations this would be my winner i don't think it's the worst film of 87 i think films are going to pop up later in the categories that are going to more deserve to win worst picture but a jaws of revenge is very bad i haven't seen jaws the revenge have you seen tough guys don't dance no i haven't White men can't jump and tough guys don't dance. <laughs> um, uh, neither have I. It's a Norman Mailer piece and it's very well represented with the nominations this year. Mm-hmm. It is the joint most nominated film alongside Jaws the Revenge. Uh, the only thing that's intrigued me about it is uh, Angelo Bandalamente. The score oh, for it. Wow. Um, rest in rest peace. peace. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. Um, and then who's that girl? Have you seen who's that girl? <laughs> of course I've not seen who's that girl. Well... I'm, uh... <laughs> And this is something that's going to come up later and later. I am not a Madonna fan in the slightest. Are uh, you a Griffin Dunn fan? <laughs> I'm, uh, no, I'm not. I have seen Who's That Girl? 
I watched that on the train to Aberdeen as we're recording in person. It's very fresh in the mind. So the interesting thing is cinematographer of Who's That Girl, Jan de Bont, who was also the cinematographer of Leonard Part 6, who was also the cinematographer of Basic Instinct, Mm -hmm. who was also the director Mm -hmm. of Speed. So if we are assembling our Razzie dream team, maybe we'll do this for a special or maybe we'll do this towards the end. But if we're making like the Razzie All-Stars, you would have Joe Esterhaas writing the screenplay and Jan de Bont would have to shoot it because... And Shining Through, of course. I knew there was another one. He was the DOP on Shining Through. So I think it doesn't seem premature to say this is like the DP of the Razzies. Yeah. And the, He's the go-to guy. But this is also, he does um, Leonard and Who's That Girl this year and follows up next year with Die Hard. So, you know. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, it's one of so these. So good. Uh, he's got, hunt, you know, Hunt for Red October in there and stuff. It's, yeah. It's, it's strange, a strange, varied career. Yeah. Yeah, very, very strange. Yeah. Um, Who's That Girl is weird because it's basically just like, what if something wild were rubbish? And it's it's not it's not bad so much as it's just boring. Mm-hmm. So I, out of the ones I've seen, Ishtar and Leonard Part 6 and Who's That Girl? Um, <laughs> Leonard Part 6 is probably the more n- notable winner. No, that's fair, that's fair. Worst actor, we have Sylvester Stallone in Over the Top as Lincoln Hawk. <laughs> Great name, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I, 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 I've seen Over the Top. Of course yeah. I have. It isn't a good... I enjoy it because I like Stallone. And I Really? Know. You've never mentioned that before. <laughs> Did he direct this film? No, he did not. He wrote the screenplay. He wrote the screenplay. Yeah. Uh, it is a stupid film. Of course it is. It's about arm wrestling. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> and you know, like is, this isn't Rocky. This isn't... It's trying to be Rocky. I think that's why I enjoyed it. It's got this like 1987 stink over the original Rocky of the underdog trying to, you know, do a sport and things. It's something he always goes to. Uh, uh, Stallone's, no, Stallone's no worse and over the top than anything from that era. I, I Obviously, I don't want him here. So, yeah, I don't agree with it. <laughs> then we have Ryan O'Neill in Tough Guys Don't Dance as Tim Madden. So neither of us have seen Tough no. Guys Don't Dance. What's your opinion, Ryan O'Neill, uh, wider career-wise? What do I know, Ryan O'Neill? Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon. Yeah, I like him. I feel like there's something else. What's where? So I know him from Paper Moon and Barry Lyndon, both of which are fantastic films, and I think he's amazing in. But I know lots of people shit on Ryan O'Neill, so there must be some, there must be something that he's done because the only two things I've seen him in, he's great. And he's great in Barry Lyndon. Yeah. Yeah. He's an Alice, an Alan Smithy film, Burn Break, Hollywood oh, Burn. So we'll be returning um, to Ryan a little bit later on. He's another one appropriate for Bill Cosby if he's not a good person, but as far as his acting career is concerned, yeah, that's, I like him. So I, I can only base it off um, Barry Lyndon. I love Barry Lyndon. So yeah, yeah I'm going to uh, give him a pass here. And then we have Judd Nelson in From the Hip as Robin Stormy Weathers. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's directed by Bob Clark of Baby Geniuses um, and Christmas Story fame. I haven't seen it either. So, you escape this one. <laughs> and then we have, uh, I can already tell you're going to object to this, Bruce the Shark yeah, in Jaws he's the not, Revenge. He's not a fucking actor. Um, <laughs> it's like if there's, see, this is what pisses me off, because worst support uh, special effects is a category that's coming up. Yeah. Just stick him in there. I have no clue. For sure. He looks off. Like, this is the cheapest. And Bruce the Shark never looked good in any of the Jaws films. They cover it up for a fucking reason. The fourth one is 
considering the time lapse from one to four, yeah. you're expecting such an improvement. We're not that far away from like Jurassic Park, to be honest. You know, no. like um, it, six years. It is awful. It is awful, awful, awful. It deserves a some award or something, but it doesn't. It's not an actor, and Mr. Rassy can fuck himself. I hate this. He needs to put it in the right category. <laughs> So we had the dolphins in Worst New Star, and yeah. now we've got Bruce the Shark in Worst Actor. Because this is where I'm like, Mr. Rousey, what was if you won it? What'd you do? Who'd you give it to? You know, like, think about it. Um, and then, of course, the winner, Bill Cosby in Leonard Part 6, is Leonard Parker. Absolutely. Moving on to Worst Actress, we have Sharon Stone in Alan Quartermain and The Lost City of Gold as Jesse Houston. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? I have not. I was aware of them. Uh, I know their books as well, aren't they? The Alan Quartermain and all these. Well, yeah, Alan Quartermain um, is a famous literary protagonist. That's what gets him into the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh shit! But um, yeah, um, King Solomon's Mines. He was like a he was a sort of like serial character. He uh, Indiana Jones of his day well, was that, Quartermain. I know the films are cash ins on the Indiana Jones films. Are with they? It, with okay. It, I mean. Um, I'll show you right now, but yeah, you look at the poster. <laughs> There's a man with a fedora, a gun, and what appears to be a whip around the shoulder. I mean, I don't... oh my god, that's so glaring. The yeah, listeners, look up King Solomon's minds. Yeah, the typeface is doing the like how they did not get sued for that. I have no idea. And that's that's where my awareness is. I I'm sure I've seen these covers before. I've like seen. I knew it. I was like, it's Indiana Jones ripoff. Yeah. And if I want to watch an Indiana Jones ripoff, I'll watch an Italian do it in Colombia, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, no. Deborah Sandland in Tough Guys Don't Dance as Patty Lorraine. Nope. Sandra Locke in Rat Boy as Nicky Morrison. Dear old Rat Boy. <laughs> Good for Rat Boy. Yeah. Have you seen Rat Boy? Nope. Nope. Um, never either. And then Lorraine Gary in Jaws the Revenge as Ellen Brody. Yeah. Um... No, is what I'm going to say. One of the better parts of it is, you know, a reprisal as well. It's not like a new thing for yeah. her to come back to. I'm a bit... I mean, jo there's nothing good about Jaws Revenge, and she's not good <laughs> in it, but I, I don't think it's just deserved. And then the winner, Madonna, in Who's That Girl as Nikki Finn. So I can give you the Madonna take here, mm -hmm. which Please is do. having seen her in Body of Evidence, I was prepared for her to be atrocious in this. And she is an improvement on Body of Evidence, certainly. She's kind of playing like, she's kind of doing a Harley Quinn thing. Okay. Of, she's a kooky New York, kind of tough on her wits, kind okay, of. Okay. And she, so she's doing an accent. And I honestly think that accent helps her sort of get out of the, the flatness of Body of Evidence. She's okay. There are some really bad moments like she's kind of like the manic pixie dream girl okay. and so she gets released from prison and she ha kind of has to be like carefree you know like swinging her arms like harley quinn one mm. of those chaotic and she is just robotically lifting her arms up and down it looks like like she's meant to be like a toddler you know just yeah, her, like yeah. that kind of and she looks so stiff and robotic like in a number of scenes in this like for someone for a dancer i've never seen someone look so awkward and uncomfortable in their body as Madonna 100%. does in a lot of these scenes. That's how I felt with the Vita. You know, I was like, for a singer, you know, <laughs> I don't seem very confident or good at singing. Um, and that's another film covered in an accent. Evita and um, Die Another Day are pretty much my only Madonna exposure I yeah. think off the top of my head. And based off them, how good her performance, because I think she's awful in those. 
I haven't seen, I've, oh, I've seen Die Another Day. I thought she was fine at the time. So maybe she gets better with age. But Cute photo is, of Madonna 2022. <laughs> the, the, what's the weird thing? The video she made in the pandemic. Yeah. I need some fried fish. Some fried fish. <laughs> I want this with, it only gets better with age. <laughs> I mean, in terms of her acting performance. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, there's just, there's scenes in Who's That Girl where, like, if you leave her to her own devices, she's probably okay. But you can tell, like, there are just scenes where you can tell the director is off camera coaching her on, like, okay, now look confused or do this, do that. You can practically see the director off camera desperately trying to coax some kind of performance out okay, of her. Yeah, okay. And so it's slightly painful. I think she's a fairly deserved winner not having seen any of the other novels. <laughs> We're supporting actor. We have Mac Dryden and Jamie Alcroft in Million Dollar Mystery as Fred and Bob. You've seen that film. No, I haven't. Not? You haven't? Um, okay. I only had the theme song stuck in my head since we listened to all the worst original songs yeah um, i have never heard about it um i've had a quick little glance now as you were madonna in yeah it sounds strange very very strange film it's the final feature length film directed by richard fleischer fleischer um, okay. it starred an ensemble cast of america's new comic talent and it was released as a promotional tie-in for gladlock brand bags um <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, also, as we looked up before, a stuntman died during the filming of it. Okay. You could have given me a bit of warning, so I stopped laughing. <laughs> no, no, no. You've got to time it right. <laughs> a very strange film. I think we might have to watch. It's 95 minutes, so it's right up my street. It's a De Laurentiis production, and the poster has the promotional <laughs> bag. Like, it's like, the tagline is, you can win $1 million in cash, and that cash is tied in a Gladlock brand bag. <laughs> So it's central to the yeah. plot. Yeah, we might need to watch we might this have to one. Go. This is a strange one. It's very <laughs> unique. So I can't comment on their performances just yet. What's next? And then we have Michael Caine in Jaws the Revenge as Hoagie Newcomb. Oh, yeah. So this is, I've blown my, I've blown my, one of my anecdotes for Michael Caine, Fade Up the Bahamas, I'm in. The other one is Michael Caine being asked if he's seen Jaws the Revenge. And his reply, no, by all counts, it is awful. <laughs> but, I have seen the house that he built. Yeah. And that is very nice. So, yeah, like, this isn't a good Kane to perform. This is probably the worst Kane performance he's done. He is. Uh -huh. It's just lifeless, you know, like, he's, he's there, you know, he's, he's on holiday. <laughs> um, yeah, like, and I'm a big Michael Kane fan. Like, I, I, he is absolutely, you could at least be a bit more subtle as well about doing something for the money and not giving a shit. Yeah. But he really, really, really doesn't. And it's a shame because, you know, if he did more and, if people cared more maybe while they were making the movie you know they you could have maybe got jaws 3d which is shit but fun instead of this but weird but miserable <laughs> awful film yeah sorry michael you deserve this nomination and then we have tom bosley another performance from million dollar mystery as sydney preston mm -hmm. is that not a character from scream tom bosley the, the name sydney preston oh sydney preston so tom bosley um i'll tell you in two seconds I want to say Sidney Preston's Neve Campbell and Scream, but I could be wrong. Sidney Prescott. Sidney Prescott. Ah, okay. Close enough. Yeah, no, that was, like, that was actually close. And then, of course, we have my nemesis turning up for the third time. <laughs> I've remembered him this time. Billy Barty in Masters of the Universe as Gwildor. 
Now, I haven't seen it, but I, I feel confident in saying you will have seen Masters of the Universe. I have absolutely fucking seen Masters of the Universe. <laughs> of course. Um, of course I have. Won't let me down. Yeah. Masters of the Universe, I remember renting as a kid. And it obviously being a He-Man movie without He-Man. And without <laughs> the world of He-Man. And being set in New York and being fucking miserable. <laughs> okay, that's our question for this one. Is what prompted this? Because it's kind of like Mario Brothers. Like the Super Mario Brothers. Well, toys. Is, but you know the specific, like, well, is Super Mario Brothers in New York? Yeah. It's like, we'll take someone famous for a yeah, fantasy yeah, world yeah. and we will insert them into New York. I don't know if it's the success of Ninja Turtles and the fact that they actually are in well, New York. It, at least the Mario Brothers movie is mostly in the Ma- Mushroom Kingdom magic. Okay, you is know? It? It's like, I've not seen that still. So it, it is in New York, but they go to Blade Runner land. Which okay. is, I really like Mario Brothers movie. I know like it, <laughs> it is a terrible movie, but it's so interesting and like yeah. I think it is actually the Blade Runner um, set designer. So he uses oh, like wow. reuses stuff. It's like this cyberpunky world. And yeah, it's a bad film. Like of course it is. It does have that kind of similar fish out of water thing mm-hmm. though. Masters of the Universe though is much worse because you know it's budget. You know we can't go to a Skeletor's castle. Yeah. So we're going to Courtney Cox's fo- like apartment, you know, yeah. and we're going to hang out there and Billy Barry's going to run around and it's, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, a wacky. It's awful. All right. I really, really dislike it. I think the only thing I can kind of praise is Dolph Lundgren fits his email. For he, sure. He, he looks, looks like it, you know, but he's barely in it and it doesn't. It's just a terrible movie. It's super surprising to me that this is not nominated for Worst Picture. Yeah, that that does seem like a surprise. Sorry, I'm going to take a moment to get back on track because I'm now just thinking you might have got me to watch Super Mario Brothers if you've promised me Blade Runner Mario where we're going to get I've seen a Goombas <laughs> glittering in the dark <laughs> by the town that has her gate. Uh, <laughs> I'm fucking telling you, man. Oh, yeah, no, that looks the part. Yeah. <laughs> Vote for Koopa, you know? <laughs> okay, maybe upcoming special uh, <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Especially a good timing with the new Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, the Chris out. Pratt one, yeah. compare Show and contrast. Show you how does it. <laughs> so Billy Barty as Gwildor. Who is Gwildor? Gwildor, I thought, is this thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's not in it much. Yeah. I, I know you're the Billy Barty, so we're just going to keep his nomination and agree for it because the whole thing sucks. That thing looks kind of familiar. Maybe I've seen sections of this on TV or maybe I'm just getting him confused with stations from Bill yeah. and Ted. I think Wildor would be the kind of like action figure you'd be disappointed to get. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's under the Christmas tree. You know what? You can feel it's an action figure. You can feel like the plastic and the cardboard back, and you rip open it, and it's fucking Gwildor. Uh, that's basically the film, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what a review! Spirit of Roger Ebert lives on. <laughs> Then the winner, David Mendelhall in Over the Top as Michael, Michael Hawk. Hawk. Another great name. Yeah, a wonderful name. Um, I can't remember who this is. Well, I, Stallone's uh, Lingen Hawk, so presumably this is a brother, yeah, a dad. I actually can't remember. So I'm going to no comment this. I'm going to defend Stallone yeah. <laughs> in the movie, but I am going to pass on him. And then Worst Supporting Actress, Isabella Rossellini in Siesta, and Tough Guys Don't Dance as Marie and Madeline Regency. Have you you've not seen Siesta? I've not seen any. I, I only know Isabella through Blue Velvet. Yeah. Which is a year before. Lynch heavy year. Yeah, yeah, like eighty six. And she's following Blue Velvet with Siesta and Tough Guys Don't Dance. Yeah. I'm mixed with her. Like I I, I like her in things. Uh, I I don't know how good she is at times as well. Like it's a confliction for me. Yeah. Rosalini. She does give it her all though. But I've not seen either of these films. And then we have Grace Jones in Siesta as Conchita. 
So again, nothing to be said here. Mariel Hemingway in Superman for the Quest for Peace as Lacey Warfield. Yeah. So thoughts and opinions on that? So no, I don't think she. I don't think she deserves it. I don't think no. she's the problems with Superman Four. I hate Superman Four. For the record, Quest for Peace with the Atom Man and the bomb. <laughs> I I hate it. It's so cheap and nasty. And it's one of those. I, I again. I I think Superman Four and Masters of the Universe are both worse than Leonard to some extent. Yeah. Um, Nuclear Man. Sorry, it's not Atom Man. I'm, it's been a while since I've seen it. But it's a terrible tale. And even as a kid, it's one of those films, you know, I had the box set or something, the VHSs of all four films. Love the first two. Kind of didn't understand why Richard Pryor was in the third film and what was going <laughs> on. But still, like, as a kid could get it. I knew that something was up before, you know. It's that uh, Rocky Five that I just knew something was up and I didn't want to watch it. So, yeah, it should have been nominated for more, but not for Worst Supporting Actress. Yeah, so I didn't remember Mariel Hemingway being in Superman 4. I, I only know her from Manhattan, this really. Is, this is, uh, yeah. yeah, she yeah. came on the scene playing the like child bride of Woody yeah. Allen in Manhattan. And she's <laughs> really good in that movie. From what I can recall of Superman 4, you're right. It seems like a like a, like weird omission, particularly Atom Man who is one of those weird physical presences, but mm-hmm. just looks a bit awkward. A uh, man was cast for his physique and sort of struggles to not look weird, weird when he's... Uh, yeah. Why am I calling him Iron Man? Nuclear Man. <laughs> um, n- nuclear Man, I remember just having that sort of like early Schwarzenegger type awkwardness around the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He should have been nominated in the film as a whole. She yeah, also yeah. picked up, but... Mario Hemingway, she's suffered enough at this point <laughs> in her career, let her off. Then we have Gloria Foster in Liar Part 6, Medusa, no. And the winner, Daryl Hannah in Wall Street as Darian Taylor. Which is a big surprise, isn't it? Um, yeah. What's your thoughts on Wall Street? Um, I haven't seen Wall Street in quite some time. I don't much care for it. I don't really like Oliver Stone. I find his movies a bit long yeah. and boring for the most part. But... Wall Street was fine and no one stood out particularly. Okay. So I, I, I don't like Wall Street yeah. or the sequel. Um, yeah. I don't like Oliver Stone, as yeah. you said. I know Daryl Hannah primarily through Blade Runner, Old Swings Back, and Kill Bill. Yeah. Um, and being Neil Young's wife and directing oh. Paradox. I have watched her directorial debut wow. and I've kept up, you know, because I'm a Neil Young fan. Yeah. Paradox is awful, by the way. It's one of the worst directed <laughs> things I've ever seen. Uh, sorry but yeah it's really fucking bad and i'm a big big neil young fan so it's hard to say i don't think hannah's a very good actress mm. i don't enjoy her as much um she's finding stuff like kill bill where you know wear an eye patch and yeah spout lines it could be an also like well, i don't like wall street either so i kind of agree with this one i don't know if it's maybe worse supporting actress bad like actual winner but i understand it being there yeah. worst director paul wayland for leonard part six Joseph Sargent for Jaws the Revenge. Any real opinions on Mr. Sargent? Well, for first of all, you know, I've said before, I think Cosby deserves his worst director for Leonard. <laughs> I'm going to defend Paul. Paul, sorry. Yeah, Joseph, yeah Sargent deserves it. Deserves it. I, think, um, I think of these ones I've been picking so far that have been popping up. Jaws the Revenge, what very badly directed. Masters of the Universe probably deserves it. Again, for actual direction. It's very, very fucking bad. Who directed Masters of the Universe? Are we going to find that someone that's someone famous? Gary Godard. Okay. 
who sexual assault allegations <laughs> is a section on his wikipedia page so, so the, the only thing i've seen from him is the t23d battle across time I, when i went to florida when i was seven yeah uh, i went to see that and you know the actors on the cross and pretend to be rna and edward furlong yeah. he was a friend of brian singer oh well yeah, say no more <laughs> say no more uh yeah he is bad that's what i'd be picking over anyone else that's going to come up here yeah like definitely and then we have james foley for who's that girl who's that girl not great wouldn't really like beyond struggling to get a performance at madonna not really particularly remarkable james foley is interesting though because he is the director of the last two 50 shades of gray films oh he's the yes man to get in once sam taylor wood leaves and he also directed Glenn Gary, Glenn yeah, Ross, which is an amazing film. But yeah, not much to say about him. And then the winner is a tie. So we have Elaine May for Ishtar. No, absolutely <laughs> do not deserve that in any way, shape or form. And Norman Mailer for Tough Guys Don't Dance, which if he's on a if he's on a par with Elaine May, maybe I need to watch Tough Guys Don't Dance. Yeah, yeah I don't think any of these other than jaws of revenge probably deserves it yeah. even late leonard i don't think i think jaws is a worst directed film i think superman's probably a worst directed film at times you know yeah um, there's a film that's going to be coming up as we go through these nominations it's <laughs> much worse directed and should have swept the fucking razzies this year and this is a bit odd i don't i don't agree with this one worst screenplay who's that girl screenplay by andrew smith and ken finkelman story by smith yeah not great screenplay kind of unremarkable Tough Guys Don't Dance, screenplay by Norman Mailer, based on his novel. It's interesting to see novelists direct. That's really the only thing I have to say there. Jaws the Revenge, screenplay by Michael de Guzma, based on characters created by Peter Benchley. Anything to see on a screenplay level? It's bad. I mean, it's the stupidest one. I mean, it's obviously it's notorious for the fact that the shark crosses the Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> surviving death to hunt down the family, you know, the Bradys yeah. and stuff. Again, four also jumps over three, pretends three doesn't happen, because three is the shark's descendant that's trying to avenge its mother. Yeah. Um, whereas four, it's the fucking same shark. Bruce is back. Bruce is back, and it's very fucking stupid very contrived just to make thing just to make it a jaws film because like. i can imagine like people were going to see like it, it, it it's like those movies like i can't think of an example but you know when like they make a sequel and it doesn't go so well so they get like the actor back and they feature that really heavily in the marketing yeah. so the example not the best one is probably arnie to be honest you know, they made a bunch of Terminators without him. Yeah. And then when Dark Fate got him back, they were like, hey, look, Arnie's back. And yeah. that was a big deal. My, People were like, it's Bruce, everyone. I know you didn't like the shark in the last show. closer analogy but, for me would have been um, Sam Neill in Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. Because uh, that got me to go see it again. Yeah, I yeah, actually yeah. went to see Jurassic Park 3 because I was like, Sam Neill, if it's good enough for Sam Neill, it's closer to the first film. Yeah. There's no Vince Vaughn like, lurking <laughs> about here. This is going to be much better than Lost World. Yeah. And they tricked me. Yeah. That, I, yeah. I, I was Jaws Ford. I, I can't imagine people are like, you know what? I didn't like that it was a different shark. I go to see Jaws specifically for Bruce, yeah. not Bruce's like descendant, Bruce to, himself. It was trying to wash away the stink, though. It's like that. <laughs> you know, like, it's. <laughs> Trust me, Bruce's son has been destroyed. Everything connected to that <laughs> film is gone. Back to basics. Then we have Ishtar, written by Elaine May. No, 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 no. Comedic <laughs> genius. And uh, Leonard, part six, screenplay by Jonathan Reynolds, story by Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah. 
And then moving on, worst new star, Jim Varney in Ernest Goes to Camp as Ernest P. Worrell. Have you seen any I of have. the I, Ernest films? So I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen, again, we had that same uh, video store that we would have rented from as a kid. Of course, yeah. And there was plenty of Ernest films in there. <laughs> yeah, there was. I, yeah. I remember the Christmas one, the Halloween yeah. one. And. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I've seen. I, I feel like I've seen a film called like Ernest Gets a Job or something. You know? <laughs> uh, I've, I've definitely seen at least three or four as a, as a dumb kid. <laughs> I really liked. I didn't like them. I didn't love them, but they were slapstick, goofy. I really like Jim Varney in general. I, I actually think he's like funny. Like he's got a funny face. He's got you know good reactions. He's the best part of the Beverly Hillbillies, um, like, because he kind of you know he. he basically who he is in toy story um you know that redneck yeah. voice is really really good yeah um like really iconic i kind of annoyed i don't i don't think jim varney should be nominated here. and it's Ernest goes to camp it's not for mr rousey you know like <laughs> but anyway yeah that's me that's me done defending and then we have deborah sandland and tough guys don't dance as patty lorraine let's work out if she was a child at that point in time well she won a beauty pageant and she won the miss the Miss Dream Girl US in 1987 pageant. So that would suggest that she wasn't a child mm-hmm. and she was also on Full House. Oh, links around, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't have any comment. Yeah, then we have David and Peter Paul, the Barbarian brothers in The Barbarians, as Gore and Kuchek. Which is great names. This, so, is, this is a film you said you must have seen. You've let me down majorly uh, on this. I know I just said moments ago that I can always rely on you <laughs> to have seen certain things. I felt sure you'd have seen The Barbarians. Um, and I don't know why. I mean, I'm familiar with the director, you know, yeah. like and George Eastman's in it. One of my Django's, you know. Um, yeah. There's a lot Big of... Big your vibes from The, bar- like, <laughs> the Barbarians. Well, I, yeah, like, I'm surprised. This, I'm surprised. It's going to get a watch though. Um, <laughs> it's 87 minutes. I'm, I can't wait to watch this. <laughs> And then we have The Garbage Pail Kids, Alligator, Greaser Greg, Nat Nerd, Foul Phil, Messy Tessie, Valerie Vomit, and Windy Winston in The Garbage Pail Kids movie. Finally. Finally. Okay, Um, here we go. Take the floor. So so you haven't seen The Garbage Pail Kids movie. I have Um, not, no. I I introduced you to a scene tonight is as close to... um, I've seen The Garbage My Whatever, my association doesn't matter. This is not the point. It's one of the worst films ever. Like, I, I hate it. I, I don't find it funny. I don't find it indeed anything. You know, anything. Are you grossed out? You freaked out? <laughs> I was, Is it too much for you? It's so cheap. And it's so <laughs> bad. Uh, obviously, you can go on about the animatronics and the costumes. The weird as fuck plot about built making costumes and having these aliens. Uh, it's so fucking stupid. And the magic house. Um, it's so <laughs> fucking stupid. Uh, it's stuck with me in the worst ways for a long time um and i've got such a low bar i i recommended saving christmas you know like i don't <laughs> i don't really if you you i think a cabbage patch kids or whatever they're called film i could watch through and be like yeah whatever but this is genuinely one of the most insulting things and when we came up when looking at it and wondering what came out this year you said you don't think Mr. Razi watched it. Well, we we spoke about it and because you were like, it's awful. Why is it only represented? And based off the three categories in which it is nominated, I was like, he can have nominated this based off... The like, trailer. Yeah, based off the yeah. trailer. I was like, it's not nominated for any big... You can watch a trailer and be like, yeah, no, I don't like that. Yeah. And nominate it for the things he's nominated for. 
So I was like, I, I said to you, do you think he's watched it? And you're like, no, he's just seen the trailer. Because if he has, it's every category. Yeah. Every single category is card. Every single nomination and winner is the card. It would sweep it. And I'm, I'm not even joking. Like, absolutely. Unless you're wanting to like, no, it is. It would sweep it. Maybe there's not enough supporting actresses or something, you know. So <laughs> maybe Leonard might get one nod or something. Jaws here, but this is the worst movie from '87 and possibly like the whole '80s. And again, I've watched Yor. I'm, I can't wait to watch the Barbarian Brothers. <laughs> do not, do not. I hate this film, and I don't say that lightly. I fucking hate this film. Do you? Taking aside the hate for a moment, do you think it's a valid norm because he just gives the character names? He doesn't give well, like in a in a good way because it's worse. The lead actor, child actor in it, is pretty awful. The one scene you see, and you can see <laughs> he how was talented bad, he is. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't like dunking on kids. So no, I don't think he deserved yeah. it. Whereas animatronic, animatronic <laughs> things, I disagree with. Like yeah. because it's not really. But there is actors in there as well. So yeah, there is. Winnie the Pooh was in one of the... Yeah, yeah, well, or the he wasn't voice, in yeah, it, he was yeah. the voice. Um, yeah. There is some little people and stuff in costumes and... Was Billy Barty one of them? He is not, though. No, no, no. He doesn't have the budget. So, but it's hard to say because those people in those costumes can't see or breathe or talk, you know. It's all Yeah, they're not responsible. They're just waving for, their arms around. And, yeah, I've just thought of a guy who, like, hates the Star Wars prequels because of Kenny Baker. <laughs> he's like Kenny Baker has ruined these films he's, I cannot believe Kenny Baker made the choice to fly in Attack of the Quills <laughs> but yeah so like it's a mixed thing I don't think it's a real nomination I don't think you should nominate the kid because that's weird and gross yeah but I'm okay with it because it's that bad a film anyway yeah continue that's my rant over and the winner of Worst New Star is David Mendelhall in Over the Top as Michael Hawk. So this was the guy that you uh, didn't know I about. Forget him. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to rewatch Over the Top because it's been a few years. Yeah, I w- I'm surprised this didn't get a Leonard nod for Worst New Star as well. You know, like like Cosby. Well, is it Cosby's debut feature film? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, because of like what's happened in previous years, the kid or something might have got a nomination um, yeah. from that. But yeah, it's, it's not the greatest category. It never has been. But it does lead on to the greatest category, so I'm happy. <laughs> well, we have a return to the 80s and Kyle's favourite category, which is Worst Original Song. So the nominations are You Can Be a Garbage Pale Kid from the Garbage Pale Kids movie written by Michael Lloyd. So we've listened to all these songs and I actually like kind of like that song. It's a, it's a good film. And this is why... It's I, a good film. A good film, a good song. <laughs> Cut, edit. <laughs> There's three in the morning viewers, <laughs> listeners. Um, this is a fil- This is not the song I thought when I think garbage. Ca- I was like, "There's a song in the movie, and I remember it." And they're going like, ah, rah, rah, "No, it's not." It's kind of like Joan Jett, like rock yeah. anthem, um, and it's fine. And it was in the trailer, and that's the yeah. only reason Mr. Razzie knows it, <laughs> and that's why I stuck it in here. Yeah. For reference, it is "Working with Each Other" is the th- song I would have thought would have run away with this. Yeah, that's much um, more your Coneheads style vile um, so no he didn't watch it and it's not a bad song so yeah whatever then we have million dollar mystery from million dollar mystery written by barry mann and john lewis parker which i loved i don't know about the film the film could be an absolute product placement that <laughs> someone died for no reason making but the song is great i genuinely might listen to this song i really liked it so this was a weird one because i listened to all these songs yesterday and I, when i first listened i could kind of see the case for all of them being nominated but as time went on, I found myself with almost all of them stuck in my head yeah. at various points. 
They all have strong merits. Not least, Let's Go to Heaven in My Car from Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol, written by Brian Wilson, Eugene E. Landy, and Gary Usher. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, obviously this isn't Wilson's finest hour. Um, <laughs> and it, I, it's, I'm going to blame Landy as well, but it's not bad. So it's not like unlistenable. You think it's catchy. Yeah, there's hooks to it for there's sure. Hooks. It's not the strongest, but I don't, I don't think it's the worst. It's no Kokomo, but it is. Uh, it, it does have its moments. Yep. And then we have El Coco Loco, so so bad from Who's That Girl, written by Cody Mundy, which is probably my least favorite of the ones because I don't remember it very well, and it was just noises and beats and stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, so it actually, um, it actually, it's it's purpose, like it's it's use in the movie is it's like playing out of a car in the background, and so the beats that become annoying and repetitive when you're listening to it in isolation, within the context of the movie, they add a kind of nice propulsion to it. So I listened to it before seeing the movie and thought, like, yeah, this should probably have won. It's the worst out of yeah. all of them, but in the context of the film, it kind of works. Um, That's fair. don't listen to all like five minutes of it like don't listen to all five minutes of it in isolation but within the film I wouldn't really single it out I was worried with the opening the opening track causing a commotion by Madonna I was worried that was going to turn up because that's actually just like a good Madonna song like it opens with a weird animated title sequence but like an otherwise like kind of decent Madonna song mm-hmm. But yeah, no, this is probably the worst out of all of them because we then go on to the winner, I Want Your Sex from Beverly Hills Cop 2, written by George Mikkel. Mm-hmm. Uh, very surprising. It's rare to see a worst original song I know anyway, you know, just from like pop culture, just from the radio. I, I yeah. remember the song, like I, I know the song. Um, I know it was controversial as well at the time and all that, obviously, <laughs> but like... And I can't remember it from Beverly Hills Cop 2. It's been a while since I've seen the second one. But yeah, it's very surprising it's there. It's not got the greatest lyrics. <laughs> yeah, so that's the only really, that's the only grounds I can make for it is if you just listen to it, a good song, catchy, whatever. Like, yeah, I like it. And then if you stop and listen too long to the lyrics, then you can kind of see like, oh yeah, maybe this is worthy. Because it has lyrics such as, What's your definition of dirty, baby? What do you call pornography? <laughs> and yeah, other, other... I think the next line is better. Don't you know I love you till it hurts me, baby? Don't you think it's time you had sex with me? <laughs> yeah, this is almost Cosby-esque, yeah. isn't it? Of, uh, it? It makes quite uncomfortable reading. I think, um, I think that despite how weird and uncomfortable, though, I'd listen to it on repeat over the Garbage Pale Kids song that they're working with each other. <laughs> Like, <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah george so, michael can be singing whatever and it is better yeah. than garbage pill rock it should have been right yeah and then here we have what i believe may be another one-off category or certainly not a um, big recurrent one worst visual effects so the nominees superman for the quest for peace special effects supervisors harrison ellenshaw and john evans Garbage Pale Kids movie, Animatronics by John Buechler, Mechanical Makeup Imageries Inc. And the winner, Jaws the Revenge special effects supervisor, Henry Miller. Mm -hmm. So this came up, I mentioned to you watching the film, that it is a travesty that Leonard Part 6 wasn't nominated for this. Mm -hmm. Because 
the scenes with the ostrich, the scenes with the toy car getting thrown off the bridge, what special effects there are in Leonard are horrendous. Yeah. Like, we could do the special effects for Leonard yeah. right now with the <laughs> toy car. And I, I the agree camera. with that. Um, I, the fact that Leonard's not nominated at the very least is weird, especially for being the worst, uh, whatever. The one consideration, I, I think out of the nominations here, Garbage Pale Kids is my vote. But unlike, the, so the difference between Leonard and these three is these three had troubled productions. Hmm. Superman 4 gets cut, you know, slash budgets and effects, so does Jaws 4. And all the problems that the Garbage Pale Kids movie had while it was being making, the animatronics don't work, the things don't move, they don't lip sync, you, you know, they're all bad. They are all really bad. But they do have some sort of excuse behind it, you know, some sort of rational reason why they are turned out the way they did. And another time and place, if there weren't number four in the franchise or there weren't garbage pail kids, <laughs> they might have, you know, come out okay. Leonard Part Six, I don't think gets the excuse because they just feel lazy and yeah. like, well, just you know, like they do put effort into bits, you know, like even the frogs under the car, you know, mm-hmm. and then um, then it'll cut to just something just to fucking finish the scene. <laughs> Let's just go and move on all three of us picked up on how bad it looked and we all laughed at it yeah so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with a tie between garbage pale kids and leonard for my worst visual effects just given consideration for jaws and superman okay and that concludes another year so we hope you've enjoyed this episode if you want to get in touch then you can email us at watchingworstfilms at gmail.com you can follow us on social media where we are watching worst on any platform you can think of if we've missed one let us know. Oh, we'll yeah. make an account. You can make an account. We trust you, listeners. Go wild. We don't, we don't have a TikTok yet, do we? We don't. No. No. Feel free, listeners. Um, yeah, that's where you can catch up with us. So for our next episode, we are returning to our specials, bringing you our third special. And this was a listener suggestion. So Chris Nielsen has suggested we tackle the work of Steven Seagal, who is another of Kyle's favourites, which <laughs> means... I know how to pick him. <laughs> next week, we are going to be watching... We are going to be watching the cult classic On Deadly Ground, which is absolutely one of my favorites. I think it's the definitive Steven Seagal film. I think it's Travis didn't win a Razzie. Steven Seagal's only film he directed. It's his passion project. It's amazing. It, I guess I get to see you know Michael Caine again. Um, I can't wait. I can't, I'm so excited. And thanks for everyone for listening. And um, this actually concludes our end of our year in 2022. Yeah. So we will hope you had wonderful holidays, Kwanzaa's, Christmases, Fogmanays, New Year's, and we will catch you in 2023 when we return with Steven Seagal. Yeah. Thank you for all your support and listening throughout the year. And yeah, we look forward to delving into more of the worst films over 2023 when our Razzie quest will also be coming to an end. Yes. We'll be finishing. We're going to be on Ishtar by this time next year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll be on the stinkers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.